and there's still time. Thank you, please. Now, on behalf of the committee... playing in February and in January in places like Toronto and Vancouver and places like that. Greetings from Canada. Now, if you're like some people, some people like, say, Don Garber, you might be a little bit confused as to how we're able to record a podcast in December, in winter, in our frozen igloos with no electricity. Well, we have special powers here at AFTN, and we're bringing you episode 30 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and I'm joined, as always, by my effervescent and prepubescent co-host, Steve Pander. Hello, Michael. How's it going? Very good. Now... It's cold out there, isn't it? It's very cold, but I think we could probably get a football match on. Are you sure? I barely was able to start my car this morning. Uh, well, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of wooses out there that, that don't like playing in the cold, so, so maybe. Terry Henry. Now, it's, it's the off-season. Or at least it's the off-season for the Whitecaps and for 16 of the other MLS teams. Yeah. MLS Cup this weekend, we've got Sporting Kansas City and Real Salt Lake. Yeah, Bailey was right on both chapters. Yeah, he's two for two as our predictor pooch and we'll, we'll come to that later on the show. So before we, we talk about all those MLS things, including today's State of the League address by Don Garber, I think we should probably have a, a look at some of the things that's happening in Whitecaps land. And, and let's start by talking about something that's official. We are down to a squad of 19, and several Whitecaps players have officially moved on. Yeah, there were about, uh, well, essentially there was a cut first by uh, uh, Greg Lazura, and last week there was another eight cuts. Uh, we don't know who made the cuts. We're not sure, 100%. Uh, obviously, it was a collaboration of a lot of people. Uh, from the sounds of it, or the way Bob Landruzzi was saying. so I have been told, though, that the, the assistant coaches were at least consulted, so that is good, because well, they spent ones, time... Though? Not all of them, maybe, right? Well, I, I don't know. There was a bit of debate on Twitter about that, but I, I'd like to think that they were all consulted. That, that's it what could I'd have like been also, if they weren't consulted just before the cuts, they could have been consulted in their exit interviews uh, before the season was over. Uh, so maybe they were talked. The roster was talked about at that point. So we don't know for sure, but we do know that there were eight cuts. Uh, yeah, nine, nine, if you include Clausura. Yes, and so uh, essentially, you, should we go over any surprises in your books? There, there wasn't a lot of surprise on the list, but for me, there there were a couple. I well, first of all, we have to talk about Simon Thomas. Yeah. absolutely that stunned was the, that, that, that was Simon was let go. Well, especially based on. The glowing reviews he was getting during the season from other, from the coaches, Marius Rovde, and he was apparently one of the coaches that was consulted. So it'd be interesting why he was let go, and you don't even want to, you don't even need to let him go because he's on such a low ticket anyways. I know. It's not like you're going to renegotiate him down to a lower contract, right? It was already at the minimum, so that was kind of surprising. Unless we don't know that is. His, his option year was a little higher salary. We don't know that. Maybe it was, but but at this point, I don't see a reason to, to cut him, in, uh, considering they only had the one goalkeeper on hand because they cut the other two as well. Well, there, there is the possibility that whoever the new coach is and whenever he comes in, that he can renegotiate with, with Thomas or any of the other guys and, and yeah. bring them back. So the, the coaches that I've spoke to and people like Joe Cannon, when we spoke to him about Simon Thomas... They've, they've sang his praises. And the impression that we got going forward was that Thomas was going to be the number two next year. And he, he still might be, but you have to think it's looking hell of a lot unlikely that that's going to happen now. 
And then if they do bring him back, you then have to kind of question just what is going on at the Whitecaps in the first place. What I think has possibly happened is they want Ayster as the number one and they are eyeing someone up in the MLS draft. And the only person that you really think they're eyeing up is the University of Connecticut keeper, Andre Blake. Yeah, I think it'd be a big mistake to be to spend a draft pick on a goalkeeper that early, especially when you don't know how good they're... And- Honestly, I don't know. I uh, obviously I don't know this, but he might be an international because he is Jamaican, so yeah. he might be an international spot. Do you want to waste an international spot on two keepers, like two international spots on two keepers? Well, as long as he's he's not a Jamaican like Darren Mathix and yeah. he comes with a bit less ego, I I would be kind of happy with that. I I've seen a couple of Connecticut's games this year. I was actually following their Sweet 16 game at the weekend. They were playing UCLA, the number one seeded team. Yeah, and, and Connecticut got through on a penalty shootout with a last save by Blake. Yeah, and they actually also, just to quickly mention that, they have a couple of freshman Canadians on the team from Ontario, which is and they scored goal, big goals in that game as well. So that could be a possibility. And of course, if they bring him in, you've got two possibly strong keepers because... We, we don't really know what he's going to be like at, at the top of the game, yeah. but he does come highly rated. Yeah. And then you would expect that maybe somebody like Marco Carducci could get the nod as the third keeper, yeah. which, I mean, we'd love that. It'd be fantastic oh, I have Marco. no problem with him being the third keeper. Again, some, uh, some people tout him as being the backup for next year. That would be, I think, a mistake. And he even could be hurt. Like, Who touted him for that? Cause there was that, somebody on Twitter uh, that, that, that really went, hard on Marco Corducci being the number two keeper. As a 17-year-old, that'd be a big mistake. And they said that if Usta gets injured, then you just go to a pool keeper to get... I go, you don't want to bring in a pool keeper because you want the, you want your backup to be practicing with the back line because yeah. you got to have communication. That's I think that's initially what hurt Usta when he first came in. Oh, yeah. Uh, because he wasn't able to communicate. Then when O'Brien came back, from his lengthy injury, there was no communication there either. So I, I think you don't... You want your number one and number two keepers to be with the team from beginning and not have to rely on pool keepers unless it's an emergency. Now, talking of O'Brien, he is one of the centre-backs that's been kept, along with Johnny Leveron and Carlisle Mitchell. Brad Rusin, he was let go. Some people were surprised at that. I'm quite glad that he's gone. I'm not not surprised that he's gone. I was surprised that they they got rid of him at this stage. Um, I thought that he had, being an American, being, you know big center back with some athletic ability and also being on a decent ticket not hugely but definitely not worth it being the fourth center back but there might be a team out there that wanted him and they could have got some assets back and that's another uh night again i'm happy that he's gone i don't have a problem with him being here uh, being cut but i thought maybe somebody might be able to offer something based on his games this year yeah that that is something that surprised me i did think that a couple of the guys were let go like rosana and and knight and definitely had had tradeability and with rosan there is a chance that we could renegotiate his contract at a lower amount or we could bring in another residency player jackson farmer to be the the fifth string centre back if we sign Demerit uh, or get someone else. I think he's definitely the fifth, but I think they're gonna to have to bring another centre back as the fourth. They don't want to just because of the amount of injuries they had this year, they need a decent centre back as a number four option. Yeah, I I definitely yeah, would agree with that. And of course the the whole demerit thing is still up in the air. Will he get a new contract? We'll talk about the managerial situation in, in a little bit and obviously depending on who gets that could really, really impact whether Jay is here next year because yeah. if it's somebody that knows him the chances are more than anything he is going to be here and then you do have to wonder are they going to keep O'Brien around as well or exactly. are they going to try and, and offload him that would be the biggest thing probably the first question that's going to be answered when the new coach comes in or wherever it is there's some coaches that there might be one candidate that doesn't like Jay and would rather keep Andy O'Brien and then you got the if it's like uh, rumored to be Bob Bradley um, you, you, he's going to obviously have some history with Jay, um, whether we don't know if it's good or bad history because he never got called. Oh, Jay, Jay was speaking really highly yeah. of him in, in the province article that Mark Weber wrote, but then Jay is obviously going to speak highly of, of somebody that might that give him a, a new contract. Exactly. Doesn't speak very highly of Martin Rennie these days, though. Again, some disparaging comments I felt from him, and he was very quick to, to do the same after after he was released at the press conference as well. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the firing press conference, yeah. Now, just quickly, a couple of the other guys. June Marcus Davidson, very polarising figure. I'm disappointed to see him go because I thought he was good value. 
and he is a guy that I don't mind in that position on the road. No, and I like I said, if he's the fifth center back, I mean, oh, sorry, fifth uh, midfielder, center midfielder, no problem with him being on that. Um, I, I I wonder also. I know it's only one incident, but did the headbutt in against Philadelphia, the home uh, the home game, did that have a play a big part? Because that's uh, you have to think it might. Because if you recall, Leonard Doozy really uh, made a point of saying that all all are honor that the slogan wasn't just a slogan they really mean it and they don't want people uh diving and doing stuff that puts disgrace to the team and to the club do you think that had anything to do with it you got to also remember he did that uh, that dive from the slap at the TFC against <laughs> yeah. TFC as well the year before but and both things both- which she then said Oh, that's not, that's not me. That's and, not what I do. And both both last year and this year, he disappeared from the lineup. Yep. But I think that was more Rennie punishing him. And obviously, Rennie well, stopped But did Rennie get decision. the word from above to punish him? That's the question. I, that's an interesting theory. And yeah. It's just very, a theory. It's just speculation. Yeah. I have no word on anything from Very, this. very possibly, though. And I, I think a big part of it, though, was because of the fact that he was polarizing and because some media here especially some of the guys on the team radio broadcast, they were constantly on his back. And I think really, as soon as Rennie went, he had he had no chance of staying here. And if he gets picked up by somebody else, they're gonna have a they're gonna have a good pick. And you were saying that the now that Rennie's gone, he had no chance. Uh, if you look at back all the Carolina Royal Hawks he brought in, only one survived and that was Matt Watson as a depth player. I, I said to Matt earlier this year that he was safe as soon as his wife started writing the blog for the website I said, no, you're okay, they're not, not going to get rid of you. <laughs> um, so uh, the other Japanese midfielder we lost uh, was cut was uh, Diego Kobayashi. Oh, heart, heartbroken at that. Uh, I personally still think that he was misplayed. I think uh, he showed when he played in the middle that he could do something. Um, I think it, this totally falls on Martin Rennie for misusing him in the lineup. The last thing we'll just talk about from the guys that were released is up front. Did it surprise you at all that both Herzog and Heinemann were released? I mean, they're yeah. both on really good money for like 60000 each, really. Yeah, I thought one of them would have been kept, maybe. And I, I, I thought it was going to be Heinemann because of his size and everything. Yeah, like that. I flip-flopped between the pitch one of the two I wanted to keep, but I, I, was, I was on Heinemann's one. Now, because I thought we've no other big guys. Yeah, and um, I thought you know they could always and they could have cut him before the season started if yeah. they needed to. So I, I didn't see the big rush in doing that, especially being it's not like you're going to make that much of a difference for cap wise right away. I no, I I I just think that was a strange one, and good good luck to to them both. It's like I th- I think they are guys that will score goals, and Tommy showed it at reserve play. He didn't really get a big enough run in the first team that kind of showed at MLS level. Well, I uh, just want to comment on one player that we kept that was a big surprise, Aminu Abdullah, oh, family friend. Yeah. Aminu Abdullah. I, I, I was, I was very surprised. Uh, maybe this is a thing where they're they want the new coach to see how good he is uh, as a youngster, um, give him a chance, one more chance to see. Maybe uh, the guys that made the decision didn't watch too much of him in the PDL. I, I was surprised and I wasn't surprised. I was surprised because, as anyone that listens to this podcast will know, I just think he's one of the worst White Cats players I've ever seen. But I was speaking to somebody within the club and they speak very highly of, of Abdallah. And they say he just hasn't shown his potential. He's a young lad at 19, that he has got an amazing talent. How long do you wait, I guess, for the, this to come out? The, that feeling I got was they think he is a, a a prospect and a project, but they were also surprised that he was actually on an MLS contract. I, I think it has to be. It's just it's a favour to to the club in Ghana that, that they've yeah, done this. And might, might have been, or even to... He, he, should have, he should have been on a PDL contract. That, like Samson was. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with Samson being signed like that to a PDL contract. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Abdallah... Cut. Sent, well, he, I guess he could still be cut because well, he's he could, foreign. He, uh, so. What I was thinking, just cut him and then sign him to a PDL contract because it's a waste of international spot. Yeah. I, 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 like they, they've done it every year. The la, this year with uh, last year with Abdullah, the year before with uh, uh, I'm going to forget the name Tiago Ulysses, and then the year before that with Alex Morfa. Now I know Slam was going to get mad at me for Alex Morfa comment, but he honestly didn't show much. And well, he showed for, his Porsche. He, he liked his Porsche. Yeah, there you go. 
but yeah, I mean that 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 was a surprise. And of course, the other big talking point is what's going to happen to Darren Mattox. But that, that's something for another day. It's Steve, yeah, Steve's the, a big fan. He's representing Darren and also yeah, Andre Blake today with his his Bob Marley T-shirt that he has well, on. I didn't realize I had that. On. <laughs> I thought it was a, a tribute to Darren. So uh, for the team itself, we have some openings now. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go over what I think is the. There are obviously lower openings, but I'm talking about the. The places where they're going to be influential in the starting eighteen, or starting eleven, and the eighteen roster. Yep. So tell us who your key needs are. Uh, obviously, they need two right backs, and this is something that they have to do. Definitely. They can't go into this season like they did last season, where it's YP Lee and Greg Klazura type. They need two running uh, right backs, even if they're at the same level, and maybe spend cheaper on on the top one, and they have two guys equally good. But they need two guys capable of playing in the MLS. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be all for spending some money and bringing in a really experienced right-back that's got MLS experience. I don't know who it would be off the top of my head, but if we can trade one of these draft picks, allocation money, a player, anything, we have to get an experienced right-back in. So YP Lee's salary last year, or compensation, guaranteed compensation, whatever you want to say, it was two, about $230,000. Instead of having like instead of spending just two thirty on one replacement, say for example, I'd rather have if you do it split it up where you do hundred fifty for the starting guy, eighty thousand for a decent backup. That's I would rather have that instead of having where you had two thirty for uh, YP Lee and then Greg Glazura at f- you know forty five or whatever he was at. So I, I like it more you know comparable split where it's it's you at least got some depth in there. And you don't have to put yeah. Nigel Rio Coker back or right back. Yeah, we definitely need to have some depth. And I, I don't see the point of having guys in depth positions if you're then not going to play them. Yeah. Like having Clausura as the depth. And he, he was, to me, a left back. But Rennie had him as a right back. Yeah. But that then, might have hurt his development too. Well, yeah. And it's like, when I saw him first play here and he was on the left wing and he beat out the other people that had come through in the supplemental draft for the last spot in the squad in 2012. Yeah. He looked great as a left-back. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe it when we started playing him as a right-back. But, yeah, I agree with you. We, we need to have depth. We need to have two quality guys fighting for that position as well so that one of them doesn't get complacent and know that his position is safe the whole season. You want these guys challenging to, to be at their best and to make sure that they're, they're fighting for a place in the team. And uh, another couple of spots I have is, uh, I think the number one need they have is the attacking midfield. Uh, yeah. The player that Diego Kopiashi was supposed to be. Um, somebody that can support Camilo, Kenny Miller, and those guys up top. That one, I, I was thinking in my head, now this is just me throwing it out there. I, I know Columbus has a new coach, and they might be looking to do a rebuild. Do you think they would be willing to get rid of Iguine? And we maybe package up Maddox and uh, one of our draft picks. For, do you think that would be enough for him, or do you think that would be too little? That that would be fantastic, but I I do you think they would? Need I can't more? see that in a million years. It's yeah. like he's, I, I'm thinking he was maybe, a star guy last year. I think maybe Columbus wants to do like a retooling or something like that. Maybe they want to sell somebody off or whatever. I guess it would depend if they felt that somebody with pace like Maddox and his athleticism would would be more beneficial to them yeah. than a guy that actually puts the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, exactly. Good point. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw it out there. Um, I, I would, I'd send him to anywhere. It's like, I, but, I'm quite happy if we just get like a bag of peanuts for him. But I honestly think that the whole, like th- there was a rumor about they're going after a German um, attacking midfielder, Alexander Meyer. Yeah, before. that's not going to happen. I would rather see them go after a guy from Central America, South America, like a Diego Valeri, like a Higuain. That can uh, show a little bit of flair. Well, I, I actually heard that there was a bit of confusion last year and they were going after Meyer. And then Rennie actually thought that it was Oscar Meyer <laughs> and he thought it was to do with hot dogs. And you that's sure why it wasn't Tommy Sowen? No, what? that's why we ended up with Kobayashi. It was, oh. all, it was this whole hot dog thing. It just set through <laughs> Martin Rennie for a loop. So finally, uh, another couple of spots. Obviously, they need backup goalkeeper. That I, we've already discussed that. But I think they need some good quality wingers. I think you don't think we've got enough with Tiber. I'd rather have Tiber play in the middle. And I what would about rather, Salgado? We've got him coming back. I'd rather play late. him as a striker. Put if they're going to go with the two strikers up top. Because see, if if we're, I don't think Robinson's going to play with a single striker. I would be amazed if a, a player with the attacking flair that Robinson had just went for one striker. 
And, and then if they, they go for Kreis or they go for Bradley, those guys have both played with uh, dual strikers up top as well. So I think like Manny should be... Because uh, Manny looked so good as a striker next to Camilo. Put it, keep him as in that middle. The only guy I see him as a winger right now is Eric Hurtado, and we didn't all know how much we're big fans of his. So I think they knew these uh, wingers, like bring in a Ben Fisk, obviously we talked about him before, and bring in some quality up top, top there on the wide sides, and not for strikers into those roles. It's going to be interesting, and, and before the draft, we'll take a look at some of the prospects that, that are kind of floating around in the draft. I'm a big fan of New Mexico's Michael Calderon. I keep going on about him at every single opportunity. He's a midfielder, he can play attacking mid, he's been banging the goals and he's really creative. And because he's Costa Rican, he's going to be really low down the pecking order. I think the, the last sort of mock draft I saw had him going at 48. So those are the spots we have open. Um, obviously there's going to be more openings depending on if Kenny Miller comes back or not. So we'll obviously go with that when, when the time comes. Of course, the biggest spot we have open just now is, is that of the manager's position. And it's not filled yet. No, it's not. There's a path we take and a path not taken. The choice is up to you, my friend. The night's are long, but you might wait. A brand new life, brand new life, brand new life around the bay. So the Whitecaps manager's position is still vacant. It's been over a month now since Martin Rooney was released. I personally am glad that they haven't just rushed into it and that they are taking their time. I just hope that they that they are considering the right candidates because when you see the list of names that's out there that they've spoken to, you've got Bob Bradley, you've got Carl Robinson, you've got Jesse Marsh, Richie Williams, and Precky suddenly appeared as a name from, from somewhere, which seemed the most bizarre thing ever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not an exciting list, is it? Well, I'm not uh, not t- totally in disgruntled with the list. I knew, you know, we obviously knew Carl Robinson going to be in the in the conversation. Uh, Bob Bradley, I, I know you have reservations about him. I don't have too much of a problem with um, him as being the coach. Well, we first mentioned Bradley in the podcast, like two podcasts ago, so it's about two weeks ago now, that I, I mentioned when we were chatting about stuff that an agent had told me that he was being interviewed by the Whitecaps at the weekend. We didn't make a big deal of it because, as I said at the time, you kind of have to take what agents say with a pinch of salt, so I wasn't sure. But now it was confirmed by Weber that they interviewed him and then the website Soccerly uh, had a, an article on Sunday saying that he'd been offered the job and reported salary of a crazy and a staggering $1 million. Well, you might as well pay the coach handsomely because... Number one, you're getting, you know, the coach is going to get respect when he's like a lot of these leagues. The coach is the probably the one of the least player paid people on the team. True. I mean, only Kenny Miller would be earning more than him in, in the current Whitecaps. So he'd have a lot of pull, and it shows that the Whitecaps all obviously are serious about it, and it doesn't count against the cap or anything like that. So if you're going to pay somebody a reckless amount, you might as well be the uh, bring in a coach. I'm a bit sceptical, though, that we would actually pay that amount of money for the coach. But if he has been offered that, or if he has been offered the job just in general, which, like, everything is pointing to that, it's what I'd heard as well, was that he'd been offered it. Why is he not taking it yet? And I know we had this discussion, we were chatting about this on the phone, and I said, I just think it was, it's bad that he hasn't taken it yet. But you said he's got family, he's got other things to sort out. It could be there, uh, you know, a lot of things to figure out. A lot of figuring out if he can, what assistance he can bring in. Maybe he can't bring in all the assistance he wants, and then he'll keep Robinson. We've heard that he's not. If he does come in, he's going to bring in his own people. Yep. So that's obviously means that uh, Richie Roved and and Robinson will be all gone. Uh, but maybe he can He's trying to figure out who he can bring in. Maybe that's the reason why they haven't announced it. I think the only person out of that he may keep would be Rovda. Yeah. Uh, just because he's a goalkeeping coach, but then it's working with new goalkeepers that Rovda hasn't worked with, so it's yeah. a chance to bring in his own his own guy. And of course, one of the other names that was thrown out there as a possible assistant was his fellow candidate, Jesse Marsh. Yes, because they did coach together in the US national team. And it's probably a good job we haven't got Zach on this podcast because Zach's not a big fan of Marsh and neither am I, really. Yeah. Well, he didn't get along with Joey Saputo, so maybe he, I am a, uh, we should be big fans. Oh, true. It's like, 
yeah, there, there's that. There's that plus point. But um, it, it, that, that, sorry, I want to go back uh, one more point about him not accepting the job. We don't know if he hasn't accepted the job. All we know is that maybe another reason why he hasn't accepted it or they haven't announced it is MLS doesn't want the Whitecaps to overshadow the MLS Cup in the final uh, because obviously uh, 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 Bob Bradley coming in to coach the Whitecaps would be huge news because he is a former national team coach. True, and it, it would be like a quietish week next week in MLS because everything's been done and dusted, although we will have the the draft coming up soon, the, the re-entry draft. But I don't know, and I wrote this in my article today, if Bradley, if his heart would really be in coming to manage in Vancouver. And something else I put in the article as well is he's going to be under intense media scrutiny if he comes back to North America, whether it's in Canada with the Whitecaps or somewhere else in the States. Everyone's going to be over him, watching his every move. If he does well, they'll praise him. If he falls, if he struggles, they'll, they'll be on him in a second. And he might just think he's got a quieter life going over to somewhere like Europe, especially Norway, where he's been linked where he's maybe not going to be under that kind of scrutiny and, and pressure. Well, it definitely would be watched less than what he was probably watched in Egypt by the police and the government there. True. And I, I, I like someone had a, a comment on Twitter, which I retweeted the other night, which is he's, he's going to be leaving a, a country where they riot when their teams don't win and moving to a city where, oh, look, they riot when their teams don't win. Yeah. So he'll feel right at home here. <laughs> In your article as well, you mentioned that uh, because Bob Leonarduzzi came went on local radio this morning, and you yep. mentioned that currently that coach has some commitments, and so maybe that that comment maybe leads back to Jason Christ. Maybe Jason Christ is still available. Forget about Christ. I know it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. That would be fantastic, actually. If you think about that as a marketing, if we got Jason Christ, all the Christmas fun we could have. Yes. Leonard Deuce's exact quote this morning, this was on Tuesday morning on Team 1040, which I'd hoped to get up for, but like 7.30, man, that's, that's early for me. But his exact words were, the people that we're talking to have commitments and don't have the ability to make that decision as quickly as we would like. Having said all that, I would hope that by next week, we would be able to confirm who the next coach of the Whitecaps would be. So if they have, let's just, go into the realm, realms of speculation. They offer it to, to Bradley. He says yes. Good thing or bad thing? I think it's a good thing. I think it brings the Whitecaps into uh, the conversation amongst North American media again. Because he's barely mentioned... The, they were barely mentioned in the State of the Union, which we'll talk about later. Uh, so it would, it would definitely bring them up there. But I th- I th- even though he has not managed at club level since 2006... It, coaching is coaching. I, it, I it's know. not. It's, it, it, it well, okay. is so different on an international level. And especially when you're in a third world country like Egypt. It's like, it's so different. And you're handling these players every day. It, it's just, it's not the same. And it's like anybody that says he can make that smooth transition, I don't see it. I, we were trying to do some research and trying to find people that have, have made that transition. I found some that had failed and or struggled like Alex McLeish. And Sven Goran Eriksson's not really set the heather alight since he stopped managing England. But then you switched that around with the Barca coach. With uh, Gerardo Martino. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Probably didn't pronounce it properly. Uh, he, he was, uh, he's an Argentine who coached Paraguay for about uh, several years. And now is coaching Barcelona. Um, you not, can't really fail though with Barcelona. No, you, you can't. You're gonna but, finish first or second. But for a Barcelona team to take uh, a coach for that coach mostly internationally and now bring him back to the club level, that shows that they have some confidence that it's not that big of a deal. True. Like you're making out three. Flight of fancy then number two. Bradley says no. What do the White Caps do next? Do they go to Carl Robinson? Yes. Or do they have a second round of interviews? Because no. I've I've been told that some people have been put on notice to be prepared for a possible second round of interviews. I wouldn't definitely not do a second round of interviews. I would go immediately to Carl Robinson and just offer him the job. Even if it could be different people that they speak to in the second round. 
Yeah, but the, the, I don't know if you want to start from scratch again. What's the point of after going all the through? Why did they even interview but, people? But will Robinson initially? want to take the job well, then, if he knows that he's the second choice? Well, then you're going into a whole bunch of hypotheticals. You basically That's what we do. We, we uh, do a podcast. We've got uh, an hour to fill. <laughs> Sometimes we go over. True. Um, but no, but I'm just saying that if they're, if they're going to do that, then why did they even interview in the first place? They should have just... They should get the guy that they want um, if he's not available, get the next guy, get the next guy. Who's going to become available all of a sudden out of nowhere? I, I don't see too many people that were eliminated recently from the then the last week or so. Is there any coaches on the Kansas City or RSL assistants that are going to become available? I, I, no, no. I still think it would be worth looking at Dominic Kinnear or his assistant. Well, they should have they've been should have been talking to him right now. Yeah, but then they couldn't really for a while because they, well, they were still they involved. Be... But yeah, they've had a chance since. Now, two weeks... But, we don't know. We're just we're just waffling now. So we'll see what happens. It looks like there's going to be an announcement next week. Hopefully, it's a positive announcement and not just an announcement that they're they're looking into new candidates. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. So something else that happened today, Tuesday the third of December, was Don Garber's annual State of the League address. All hail to the chief. What what did you make of that? I I'd said on Twitter that. The last couple of years, I've watched that. I've been part of it and like asked a question one year and, and, and stuff. Didn't get to ask it today, but I think it's because I, w- I was sitting in my underwear listening to it and they didn't really want that on the on the Google Hangout. Um, in fact, it was more than Google that was hanging out, if, if I'm being <laughs> honest. But that, that wasn't something that anyone really wanted to see. But the last couple of years, I've come away from it quite positive and, and upbeat about MLS and the future. But I, I don't know what it was today. I just... I- it just didn't grab me. It didn't make me think, wow, the league's going on to great strengths next year. Yeah, first of all, I want to say it's shocking that you weren't optimistic about something that happening with MLS. Hey, Absolutely shocking. Sometimes I am. <laughs> I'm, op- I'm optimistic that we're going to have a cracking cup final on, on Saturday. Um, but the, the to answer your question, I think the uh, one of the reasons why is because he, he didn't really answer very many questions openly because some of the que- questions that were asked, could, they couldn't answer. Because it was the expansion questions and stuff like that, and where they're going to develop there, um, and he just wasn't able to get a clear on a lot of the questions that people wanted answered. And the ones he did answer were, you know, were terribly important or anything like that. He went into some detail about, the, you know, developing the residency of teams and stuff like that, saying they they league wide they've spent about twenty million dollars in developing players. You know, it's great and everything, but he didn't go into real detail about that at all. He still said there's a focus as well on the draft and college soccer, but I did like his comment that he felt that the rules in college soccer don't sit well with MLS and the professional game in general. Can you see NCAA suddenly changing their rules to sort MLS? If they do, would they need a, a sweetener and a guarantee that the draft and NCAA will still be relevant? I highly doubt it. And also, I don't think NCAA even cares about what the professional leagues do. They're not interested. They just want to do it their own way based on other sports they've, they, they, they run. Yeah, I mean, Gabber's quote was, we're hoping that college soccer could adapt. But you're, you're looking at a college game that's been in existence for longer than MLS. Mm. Now, the crowds that they get aren't great. I mean, most, most teams are just pulling in a couple of hundred. Yeah. But... Yeah, that that's not their fundamental importance. NCA essentially care, NCA essentially cares about American football and basketball. Where they do pull in huge crowds. And that's the only two sports they care about. Other than that, everything uh, is not a huge importance to them. A couple of other things which Garber mentioned which I thought was quite interesting. And we we talked about the the new franchises that's going to be coming up. And Atlanta and Miami seem to be the the favourites now to land twenty two and twenty three, just to to have this kind of nice southern group of teams battling for each other and having rivalries any surprises with that i still have worries about them going into the into the southeast there is miami kind of makes sense because of the orlando rivalry but they've tried it before it hasn't worked obviously they didn't have beckham before but uh, is there really a demand no there isn't and the thing is the if you look at all the sports and everything unless you're really winning they they don't draw big numbers Atlanta as well. I mean, I, I know the Silverbacks have been around for a while, but it doesn't strike me as a soccer hotbed. Well, you look at any sports there. The, it's, the, those the Southeast is mostly a college, college area. They're big in college football, big in college basketball, but 
pro teams tend to struggle there, especially in Florida. You're going to have the Florida Gators and stuff like that, and the Seminoles, they're big. But teams like Jacksonville Jaguars, they struggle. To, they, uh, in NFL, they struggle to get people. If if it, if an NFL team is struggling to get people and selling out a, a stadium, how is the MLS team going to draw in the crowds? So if we look that Atlanta and Miami are the, the teams that's going to get the next two franchises, that leaves the 24th one open. And there was there was things mentioned about Minneapolis, about um, St. Louis, and also San Antonio. For me, I would like to see San Antonio, or even Austin, but I, I just think San Antonio, it could be good. Sacramento's made it known that they would be kind of interested, but it looks like Sacramento's now going to be the USL pro team for the Portland Timbers, yeah. so that might negate any any chance that they've well, got of having a, an MLS franchise. Orlando had an affiliation with Kansas City, so that, that didn't stop them from... That's, that's true. One of the key things that Garber said for the new teams coming in was downtown Stadia. And I'm quite pleased by that, because it's like you, you look at... I, I At some point, I want to go and visit every, every stadium in MLS. Yeah. But you look at some of them, like Dallas and Frisco... And it is such a pain to try and get there. It's like public transport's a no-no. You have to hire a car. And it, it's just, it's absolutely ludicrous what you have to do to get there. So downtown Stadia, I think, is a key. That will possibly rule out some cities, though, that just either don't have the space or the desire to, to have something like that downtown. Yeah. But soccer-specific wasn't as key a focus, I noticed, anymore. It's just kind of downtown Stadia. So we could possibly see some markets where there might be some sharing. I mean, who knows? Maybe St. Louis Rams are going to share with a new St. Louis MLS team. How many downtown stadiums are there in MLS? I'm, I'm thinking right now. Well, I mean, you've, you you've got Seattle, Vancouver, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland. Yeah. LA's like downtown, downtown Carson, I guess, but it's not downtown LA. Um, San Jose's off to the San side. San Jose's in a university complex, and, and the new one's a little bit... Down. more closer to downtown but still the Houston still was downtown, downtown but but apparently from what they've the, they've said on the Daily Show that it's usually Houston downtown Houston is abandoned during the weekends true one other thing which I thought was fantastic was there was questions asked about MLS rules and transparency and we had the wonderful quote from Don Garber we're still doing some of this stuff on the fly that's shocking I, <laughs> It fills you with so much confidence that this league knows what they're doing. And it's like, we've had so many debates, you, me, Brenton, Caps Offside on Twitter, and, and like Slamo, and a host of other guys. We talk about things all the time about MLS rules, trying to get our head around things, the homegrown rules, other rules, roster rules. How are we meant to get our head around things when the commissioner of MLS admits, yeah, we still do some things on the fly? It, is, it really is a case, by the signs of it, that they just make things up as they go along. But he did promise some kind of more transparency, but didn't say what that was going to be. I, I, I doubt he's going to do that. <laughs> the rules have to be published somewhere. There has to be. And I know you go into the MLS press box and there are real details there. But those specifics. But then we come up with things every year that we don't know anything about. And at the Whitecaps, it's like, tip my hat to Greg Anderson. He is fantastic. If you need to know anything about MLS rules, rosters, anything at all, you ask him and he has an answer for you in a split second. He knows these rules inside and out. So maybe they need to have somebody like Greg Anderson working for MLS that can explain these rules to everyone. Just what? have a hotline. No. If you've got a question on Twitter, we just call this up and go, yeah. can you answer this? Uh, what's this homegrown thing? We need to know the answer now. I don't care that it's four in the morning. What's the answer? I wish... the. Uh, I wish... Uh, Speaking about the, the, the State of Union, I wish somebody had asked when they asked about the residency, how can you help retain these players instead of having paying these guys such minimum salaries and stuff like that? Well, he said he doesn't want to, to raise players and then sell them, but I thought that was part of what, at least the Whitecaps residency, they've talked about that before, yeah. that some of the players, they will train and sell. Yeah, because you know what, that's what if, if a player wants to play, ultimately the top leagues in the world are Europe. Yep. And it's like good luck so, to them as well, because if you're going to get paid 35000 here, or you can go and get double that by, by playing in a, in a really crappy or, European or, league, you're going to do that yeah. for the experience of nothing else. Exactly. 
Now, one of the other things I was moaning about constantly on, on Twitter this morning about the, the state of the of the league address was it was like a state of the US league address. Yes. Canada didn't really seem to exist in it at all. I'm, I'm still waiting for my confirmation. I asked MLS when the Canadian one was coming out because that'll be fun to watch. I'm not surprised at all. They, 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 I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is an American league that Canadians are just here to play in. I, you had all the questions like the, that the Scottish guy that wasn't me if you if you listened to it, it had nothing to do with me I do get to my point quicker than that sometimes actually most of the time that was just a random thing about the year 2033 India's hosting the World Cup MLS is one of the top five leagues in the world blah 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 and it, it was just one of the many questions about oh America this America that and he's talking about America and then it's it's like Canada is, is thrown in just as a little aside. There was a question from a Canadian journalist, yes. of course, but well, that was, was about Toronto. Just, just by TFC. Like, why is Toronto so crap? It's like, yeah, yeah well, we, we don't have five hours to explain that, really. But Vancouver was mentioned towards the end, which we've included in the start of the show, which if you listen, you'll have heard, as Don Garber basically said that a winter schedule can't have games getting played in January and February because you have places like Toronto, fair enough, and Vancouver, we'll the only stadium in MLS that play with a roof. Yeah, we played games in January. That was yeah. the women's qualifying games for the Olympics. Uh, yeah, you kind of have to, like between that and other things he said, you just have to wonder what the hell's going on at, yeah. at MLS. It's... I'm just wondering, has he ever been to Vancouver? I know he has. Oh, he has. But... I, I sat and chatted with him back in yeah. March and we... We asked him some questions. We had stuff on the podcast. He's been there. Maybe he just didn't look up. Maybe it was a cold day and he thought, oh, this is really chilly. Or maybe they had the roof open and he just didn't know that there was a roof. But yeah. that that was just bizarre. I was distracted by his bald spot the whole time. And of course, if the roof's open and the sun's hitting that, you, you don't want that. No. So, uh, speaking of uh, Vancouver being ignored at the State of the Union address, soon after the State of the Union address was over, they announced their best 11. Oh, yes. And... I actually thought Pee Wee Herman was hosting it because when it first cut <laughs> it, yeah. and it's like the camera was zooming in, I was like, that's Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, don't tell me we're filming this from some kind of movie theatre. Yeah, no, it was Google Hangout and they announced the best 11 and we're not going to talk about the players that were picked, obviously. No. We're gonna talk about I can't the one remember big, who most of them were, really. But. We're going to talk about the one big omission from this 3-4-3 three, three lineup yeah. formation. June, Mar- <laughs> June Marcus Davison, exactly. Why was he not in it? I think it was because of the headbutt. But of course, you're talking about Kimberlow. Yeah. Golden boot winner, player of the month on, what, three, four times? Player, player of, the of the week. week so many times. Goal of the week. We're recording this before they've announced the winner of the goal of the year, so hopefully goal of the year winner, but not mentioned in the top three. Were you really surprised? Because they did have the three strikers as the three that were up for the league MVP. Yeah, but still, I think you could say league MVP is different from best 11. Um, you don't have to have the... But, but could you have three guys up for league MVP all in the same position and then not have those guys fill yeah. those three positions? Very Because then it makes possible. it farcical. Although it is voted by different people, so you, you never know. But it's just... It was crazy. I don't, I don't know what he has to do now then to qualify for the best 11. Score 40 goals. Well, maybe. But we'll take that next year, so we'll, we'll see what happens. So since we're talking about MLS, let's wrap the show up with a little look ahead to Saturday's MLS Cup. So Saturday is cup final day, although I have to say, for me, that's probably going to be the third most important game on Saturday. Is it? Yeah, I think you've got the number one important game will hopefully be SFU Clan going for the NCAA Division 2 Championship. Cool. That would be at 12 o'clock. Yeah. Then at 5 o'clock, you've got Ben McKendry's New Mexico Lobos taking on Washington Huskies for a place in the Division 1 Final Four. And after that, then I kind of have the MLS Cup Final. But it should be a good game. No, it should be a good game. I think it's going to be... The, both teams are attacking. Although the, uh, Sporting has been a little bit... Not super attacking as they usually are during the postseason. They played once 
in, in during the regular season, obviously. It was a 2-1 win for Sporting in, on, a, on the road in Utah. It's, it's hard to win there as well. It is hard to win. But they were missing Nick Raimondo in goal uh, with a backup in net. And also they went, they were leading one nothing, And in the 66th minute, uh, Chris Winger got his second yellow card, went down to 10 men, and the Sporting scored two goals after that. So And they also had Kai Kamara, who's not on the team anymore either. So there is obviously a little bit of uh, you know leeway in taking that result into account in this game. I, I think it's going to be a really good game. The weather conditions are are, are going to be brutal by the sounds of it, which mm. to me it's great. I I love football being played in that. It isn't a lot of fun when you're a spectator. I've been to some really cold games in Scotland, and it does kind of take a little bit of the enjoyment away of it. And that's why I do appreciate some football so much over here. But at least Salt Lake are used to such conditions as well. Yeah. So it's not that you've got a team from, say, Texas or one of the LA teams going to play in the bitter cold. So yeah. it's a level playing field exactly. in, in that regard. And I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it could possibly go to extra time, maybe even go all the way to penalties. Yeah. And I just hope it's a good game. I'll, I'm down in Seattle for the weekend because I'm, I'm going to the uh, New Mexico game down in Seattle. So hopefully when I come back, I'll enjoy it. Stay off Twitter. And enjoy watching the game on Sunday. So, uh, and uh, what do you think? Of, how do you think the game's going to go? Who do you think? Do you think RSL has a chance? I I think it's really too close to call because Kansas City can be a powerhouse at home, but I mean we've we've seen and the Whitecaps have shown as well that they're not in, impenetrable. It's like you can get by them, and Houston took the lead down there. Yeah. I think though, with the crowd roaring them on, that Kansas City will will just do enough and I think it'll be one goal in it and I think that winning goal could come in extra time and I'm going to say 2-1 to Kansas City RSL seems to have better luck away from home especially in these uh, in these big games it seems like the pressure of being playing in front of the home crowd sometimes gets them just look at the US Open Cup recently also I noticed in these are just games I've seen against Vancouver and Portland they seem to have really good luck against teams that play 4-3-3 so and that's what sporting plays so maybe that possession type of game that they play in the middle and narrow narrow part of the pitch um, will help them take away from uh, Sporting's uh, attack. The other factor that you've got in it is this could, should, will be Jason Kreiss' last game in charge in Salt Lake. So he's going to want to go out with a bang. He's going to want to go out with a, an MLS championship or another MLS championship. And if he does that... He knows himself his stock's going to rise even more, whether it's New York he ends up. There's still a chance, a very, very slim chance he could stay in Salt Lake, but I think that he will be really keen to to just finish his time in Salt Lake with, with a championship and, and reward the fans and the support and the front office for all the support that, that, that they've given him there. And they've so, on a good note. Yeah, and he, he's going to be so pumped and amped for that game. So that's our thoughts on what's going to happen on Saturday. But let's get our resident predicting expert to, to give us his thoughts. Bailey the Border Collie is two for two, predictor pooch. He predicted that we were going to have a Kansas City Real Salt Lake final. He was spot on. Can he get the hat trick and predict the winner of Saturday's MLS Cup? And remember, folks, he hasn't watched a single game all year. So let, let's get his treats ready. For anyone that didn't hear this the last time, so what we do is we put a treat under two cups. And turn them on the floor, upside down. Whichever cup Predictor Pooch goes up to is his prediction for who is going to win the game. So without any further ado, let's get this set up. Predictor Pooch. So we'll just get his treats ready for him here. He's not been fed yet tonight, so he's going to be really hungry. Because we can't blindfold him, we're going to have to cover his vision of sight. Well, he, do, he, he can probably smell and hear the treats going in. So that's there's a treat going into a latte mug. And that is the treat going into the mocha mug. So now Steve is going to do some distraction while I get this set up on the floor. So let's say, who do you want, Steve, who do you want to be Kansas City, mocha or latte? Latte. Okay, so latte cup is going to be Kansas City. The Mocha Cup is going to be Real Salt Lake. So come on, predict the pooch. Who's going to win the MLS Cup? 
It's going over. So he's gone over to the Mokamog. So it's RSL. Yep, Real Salt Lake. You've heard it here first, everyone. Real Salt Lake are the 2013 MLS Cup winners. Well done, Predictor Pooch, and well done to Real Salt Lake. And Predictor Pooch getting his reward there. So let's just see if Predictor Pooch is correct. If he's right, we'll bring him back for next year. If not, then he might have to go up in the waiver draft. I think he could still be a better left back than Greg Clausura, though. So that's basically all our nonsense for another episode. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. We've still got some more shows coming this year. We're going to do some year-end reviews. We'll look over at our awards that we gave out. Just recap back in the year. We're going to have a special Christmas show with kind of like a best of and some outtakes. Some of the things which we haven't included. Some of the things which we probably should never include. But we will stick them in anyway. So, as always, thanks for listening to another episode of There's Still Time. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. You can find our stuff online at Canadian Soccer News at AFTN.ca. My co-host is Steve Pander. And you can find me at on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. If you want to send us an email about anything, just drop us a line to AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. So that's us for another week. Hopefully when we're back next time, we'll have a new Whitecaps coach to talk about. So until next time, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps, and the clan. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs, and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.